Hi everyone and welcome to episode 6 of Unfraction, our true crime podcast. My name is Nadia. And I'm Sally. And I just wanted to say a really massive thank you to anyone who's messaged us or DM'd us on Instagram saying you're enjoying our podcast. Your feedback really does mean the world to us. We'd like to just take a quick second to kindly ask if you'd be able to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a star rating and review um, to really just help us reach more people and boost our listener reach even more. If you are an Android-only user like me, then you can still give us a rating on iTunes on your laptop or computer. Thank you so, so much. If you do leave us a review, any particular super funny or nice ones, then maybe we'll give you a shout out on the show. And of course, if you haven't yet, then please do subscribe to our show on whichever app you use. So on today's episode, we're going to be looking at something a little bit different. I don't normally like researching cases that don't have a particularly definitive ending, um, but this story has mesmerized me for the past year or so. So I just really wanted to tell you about it today, Sal, and all you listeners, because I'm really intrigued as to hear what you think about it. Um, Also, before anyone comes at me, this technically is not a true crime story, but it is an absolutely bizarre mystery. And spoiler alert, I do actually think a crime happened here. So I'm just going to shoehorn it into our catalogue of crime stories that way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So without further ado, let's crack on and discuss the mysterious and totally bizarre disappearance of Sneha and Philip. And as always, Sal, this is the first time you're hearing this, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited. (laughs) All right, so this case is set in New York in September 2001. Sneha Phillip was a 31-year-old physician at the time and she was working at a hospital completing her residency in order to become a fully qualified doctor. She was married the year before, in 2000, to a man called Dr. Ron Lieberman and the two shared a home together in Battery Park, which was in Lower Manhattan, just a few miles away from the World Trade Center. On the 10th of September 2001, Sneha had the day off work because she had to make an appearance at court. Ron went with her to court as he had a later start at work and he wanted to support her. Her court hearing was supposedly about allegations she was raising against the hospital she worked at for racial and sexual harassment. After the court hearing, witnesses say they heard Ron and Sneha fighting in the foyer of the court building, although this has been denied by Sneha's family. Ron and Sneha then possibly went out for breakfast, or maybe they didn't. This has been reported in so many ways, so it may be that they went out. But either way, at around 11.30am, Ron went off to work, and Sneha told him she was heading home to do some tidying. Sneha texted her mother at around 2pm, and the two of them engaged in a pretty lengthy text message conversation, where Sneha told her mum that she was tidying up the house because her cousin was coming over that week to have dinner. She told her mum that she didn't have that much planned for her day off, but that she wanted to pop down to the World Trade Center to take a look at the windows on the world. So I think windows on the world was a selection of venues and restaurants at the top of the World Trade Center. I think it's maybe sort of similar to the restaurants at the top of the Shard. It's that kind of thing, but obviously on a much larger scale. Right, okay. She told her mum that she might go check out these venues because one of her friends was going to be getting married there. And like I said before, she lived really close to the World Trade Center anyway. She finished off her texting conversation with her mum, got changed into a short-sleeved brown dress and some sandals and headed out the door. She dropped off some clothing at the dry cleaners and then headed to some shops to do a bit of retail therapy. She went into Century 21, which when I googled it, it was described as a budget department store, but she racked up a bill of like $550 on about five different things, so I don't really think it can be described as budget. We've all been there. <laughs> You've definitely been here when you hear what she bought. <laughs> She bought some lingerie, a dress, some pantyhose, so that's like sexy tights to you and I, some bedsheets, and a few pairs of shoes. According to credit card records, these purchases were made at 7.18pm. 
Ron Lieberman, Sneha's husband, returned home from work that night between 11pm and midnight. I've seen it reported so many different times, but it was it was sometime very late. It was definitely after 11 and most likely before midnight. Sneha was not home, but Ron said he wasn't particularly worried about that. Sneha had lots of friends and was rather social, so he just assumed that she was out with her friends or her brother. And because he had an early start for work the following morning, he didn't wait up for Sneha to come home. He just went to sleep. Would they not have had phones at this point? Though, like, it does strike me as a little bit weird that he wouldn't know where she was at midnight. Yeah, so this is a point of contention, really, in this case. Um, they did have phones, and I can't remember if it was his mobile phone or the home phone. Later on, a, a private investigator basically looks into this and says that Ron checked a voicemail message at 4.30 in the morning. It was like 3.30 or 4.30 in the morning. And then that was deleted. He claims that he didn't listen to it. So... I don't know, like, there definitely was phones, but he said he wasn't worried because she's always out anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe he's he's quite questionable as a husband, in my opinion, at this point. <laughs> the next day, so this is September 11th, he woke up at about 6.30 and noticed that Sneha was still not home. And he claims she had not contacted him either. And this kind of goes back to the point that I literally just said about there's evidence that he was contacted by someone at 4.30 in the morning or around that time, very early hours of the morning. Um, But he, to this day, says that he doesn't know what that was and what that voicemail was and claims that he didn't do it and he must have done it in his sleep. Which, to me, I'm like, that's a lie. But then I know also, like, you definitely text people when you're asleep. So I I don't know, like, I know that people can do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's very possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he said that he woke up at 6.30. He was slightly irritated by the fact that she wasn't home, but he had a meeting to get to. So he just got up and almost immediately began his 30 minute journey to the Bronx, which is the other side of Manhattan to where they lived. Just two hours later, a few miles from their apartment, something truly devastating and life-changing for so many people happened. That first plane hit the World Trade Center. The last credible sighting of Snehal was from the CCTV footage from the Century 21 the day before at 7.20pm. To this day, she has not been seen since. The facts around what happened during that day and the next day, so the 12th of September, are really blurry. Of course, the entire country, and to be honest, like the world, was in complete disarray. I mean, we were really young when 9-11 happened, so I don't really remember it at all. I guess you don't either. No, not particularly, other than I remember that my dad was away on a business trip and not really remember understanding why everyone was so terrified. Um, oh, God. But no, I think only now, being much older, do you come to have an appreciation of what a day really was marked in history. Completely. And it, and it isn't hard to, like, we don't remember it, but it isn't hard to imagine what the city must have been like. Like, it was completely shut down. There were people everywhere, uh, debris everywhere, roads were blocked, and the power was also totally out. And on top of everything else, there was no way to get in contact with anyone because the mobile phone services were down, you know, presumably because everyone was trying to use their phones. But I also did read somewhere that one of the main service providers had their mast on top of one of the towers. So that, of course, had been destroyed and, and like wasn't obviously helping the situation either. So Ron couldn't get hold of Sneha at all. As I said before, he was only 30 minutes away from home, but it took him over six hours to get back to his apartment. When he got there, he realised he couldn't even get into the building because the doors were powered by electric, so he had to go and stay at a friend's house. On the day of the 12th, he managed to get back into his apartment. He was hoping and praying that Sneha was there. One of the windows was open and the dust from the plane crashes had settled on the floor in their apartment and the only sign of any movement were their kitten's paw prints in the dust. His heart sunk and he realised that it had been two days since he'd last seen her. 
he took some photographs he had of Sneha and he went to Ground Zero. There, he saw hundreds of people holding photos of their loved ones who were also missing. He saw lots of reporters and news crews and tried to get them to air Sneha's photo. He told them that she'd been missing since the 10th of September. And at that sentence, each reporter lost interest. They didn't want a missing person story. They wanted a hero story of someone who had been in or near the towers when they were hit. Ron was desperate, so he called Sneha's brother. Her brother told news reporters that he had been on the phone to Sneha when the plane had hit the towers. His story was broadcast live on TV as he said, She told me she couldn't leave because people were hurt. She said, I have to help this person. And that's the last thing I heard from her. So pretty cut and dry, right? She was there in the towers and most likely died during the struggle. Yeah, at this point, I'm slightly wondering um, how you're managing to spin this as a true crime, but I'm going to let you carry on. (laughs) So (laughs) the story that her brother had told the news was a complete lie. He'd made it up to get some airtime for his sister, but this obviously totally backfired. Sneha was added to the list of victims of the 9-11 terror attack and therefore nobody was looking for her because everyone thought that she was dead. There seems such such a silly idea for him to do. But I guess in that moment, he must have just been so panicked and he, if you, I mean, I don't know, no one knows what they're going to do in a situation like that, but I can't imagine if someone said to me that I couldn't get my sister's photo on the news, I think I would make up whatever I could. But it backfired, obviously, it was a stupid lie to tell. From the outset, Ron did not believe that his wife had been in the towers when they were hit. He did not believe that she had died in the terror attack. He said she had no reason to be there, which I guess is completely true. She had said to her mother that she wanted to visit the venues at the top of the tower, but she wouldn't have been doing that so late at night and certainly not at 8.30 in the morning before she'd even gone home from her night out. Ron continued to fight to get answers and so he checked his credit card records and saw the purchases that Sneha had made that evening on the 10th of September. He rang around to try and find out who had been working that day in Century 21. He eventually got a hold of a salesperson who had been in the shop at that time and the sales lady confirmed that she had seen Sneha and said that Sneha had been in the shop with another lady. This lady was described as being small in her early 30s and being dark-skinned. Ron managed to get a hold of the CCTV footage and could see Sneha browsing the aisles. However, the mystery friend never once appeared on camera. Ron filed two missing persons reports, but on both occasions, the police identified Sneha as a victim of the attack and closed the missing persons file. So Ron hired a private investigator, former special ops agent Ken Gallant. This private investigator did a lot of digging around Sneha's life and even went to the ferry docks and other ports to see if anyone recognised Sneha fleeing at any point on the 10th or 11th. He suggested to Ron that maybe Sneha had run away to start a new life. Ron was adamant that Sneha would never have done this. The PI did find one thing, however, that sparked some hope for Ron. He had unearthed some video footage from the hidden security camera in their building. In it, just a few minutes before the first plane struck the towers, a lady walked into the lobby. She was the same height as Sneha, she had the same haircut and appeared to be wearing the same or similar clothes to the ones that Sneha had been wearing when she had left the apartment the day before. Unfortunately, because of the way the early morning sun shone through the window, you can't see her face and the image is like really bleached out. But Ron swears it's his wife, he is adamant that the woman had the exact same mannerisms as Sneha. She walks in, she walks to the lift and then turns and leaves. So if it was Sneha, where had she been all night and why didn't she go up to the apartment? Is it possible that it wasn't Sneha at all, just someone else who lived in that apartment block? Or was it her? And when she heard the crash, she ran outside and saw this as either an opportunity to leave New York, or did she go to the crash site to help victims? 
Ron said he was adamant that Sneha wouldn't leave, and after months of trying to work out what had happened, he finally succumbed to the realisation that Sneha must have died in the 9-11 terror attack that had taken the lives of 2,977 other people. Unfortunately for Ron, although he had ended his quest for the truth, the police had not. Whilst at first they appeared eager to add Sneha's name to the list of victims, their investigations into the missing woman had unearthed a mountain of secrets. In police reports, it had been documented that Sneha seemed to be leading a bit of a double life. She had actually been fired from her residency at the hospital and no longer worked there. This was the second time she'd lost her job halfway through her residency and therefore it meant that she couldn't complete her training and couldn't qualify as a doctor. The hospital reported that she had been let go because she was misusing drugs and alcohol and had reportedly turned up to work drunk before. She had also had a criminal complaint made against her for falsely reporting an incident of sexual abuse. The arraignment at the court that she had attended on the 10th of September was actually about this criminal charge. Her family vehemently deny this. However, there were those reports that Ron and Sneha had been fighting in the courthouse. Is it possible that he found out about this criminal charge whilst at the court? Because of course he thought that the court hearing was about her claim against the hospital for racial and sexual harassment. Other things to note from the police report was that the police believed Sneha was having extramarital affairs with other women. The reports show that she regularly frequented gay bars and there was also a really strange report that Sneha had actually been having an affair with her brother's girlfriend. Her family and her brother deny all of this and Ron suggested that the reason that she went to gay bars was because she didn't like being hit on when she went out to regular bars. I couldn't find anywhere whether or not the affair with her brother's girlfriend is true, but it might explain the unknown woman who was seen with Sneha on September the 10th if she was having lesbian affairs or affairs of any kind really. Although obviously of course it is just as like she was meeting up with a friend. To me though it is weird that friend or woman she was with or whatever, whoever she was, this person's never come forward to say that they were together. Because of these reports and the fact that there was no evidence that Sneha was at the World Trade Center when it was attacked, her name was removed from the list of victims. It was thought really that she ran away and left her life to start a new one. Ron and Sneha's family actually went to court over this to appeal the decision and they won their case in early 2008 and her name was once again added to the list of victims from the 9-11 terror attacks. For the family, this was the closure they needed. Uh, I think for most people they do believe that it is the most likely answer that Sneha died during the terror attacks. I mean, would it be possible to just up and leave from your life with no trace at all? And I personally go back and forth quite a bit with this, but this is kind of what swings it for me. <laughs> and it's, I'm just laughing because I know that you're literally going to be like, piss off Nadia when I say this to you. <laughs> but have you heard of something called Post Secret? No. It's like a, I think it started as like an online art project. But basically, it's now turned to this like massive thing where anyone can send in a postcard through the mail with their secret written on it, and it's scanned in and posted online. I think like every Sunday or something. So like most of the postcards are confessions of affairs or like lusting after your boss at work or that kind of thing. But there's there was a post on there a while back, and don't roll your eyes at this. But this postcard is a photo of the twin towers burning, and above it, someone has written the secret: "Everyone who knew me before 9/11 believes I'm dead." And genuinely, I so want to believe this, Sneha. How have they managed to link this? Or you, rather? Because <laughs> I'm a fantasist. Because, for me... I mean, where did you find this postcard to start with? It's literally... I got lost deep in a Reddit thread, basically. <laughs> and <laughs> this is where I found it. But then, for me, like... When I heard about this case, like, I don't know, like last year, maybe the year before. And then I've, I've always like go back to it and I always find Reddit forums on it and other 
forums on it because I find it so fascinating. Like for me, I do not think it's possible to up and leave without a trace. But I do genuinely think it's possible that something else happened to her. For me, the fact that she's not seen on any CCTV footage after 7.20pm on the 10th, to me, that means I think something happened to her then. And then I think because of 9-11 and everything else, it all just kind of, for whoever did something to her or whoever was with her, if she died by accident or something like that, I do honestly think it was just kind of like the perfect storm for that individual because all of this was swallowed up in the drama of 9-11 and no one ever thought about it and no one ever did anything. Because it wasn't investigated. It wasn't investigated as a potential missing person or a potential homicide or anything like that. And because of that, I feel to me that so many stones are unturned on what would have or what could have happened to her. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, the first things that spring to mind, thinking back over the limited details we've got, are that it's one thing to get in your car and drive away. But let's assume that even if she'd taken out a large sum of cash, which there's no evidence she did, no. on, at some point she would have needed to use her card or at minimum have set up a new account, which I think would be incredibly hard to do in a way that's untraceable unless someone else did it for her. But at that point, you to be put into that level of planning, you would assume they, she'd be fleeing some sort of you know horrible abuse mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, yeah. It seems very extreme length to go to just to start a new life. Um, I think there could probably be more to be found around her job. I find it really interesting that the uh, the real conspirator within me wonders whether she really was suing for some racial harassment um, and then actually the hospital turned it round. But I mean, that's complete conjecture. Yeah, so for me, I think it actually happened the other way around. Sorry, that's my fault. I probably didn't explain that very well. She she was fired from her job and she was fired because she was put on loads of disciplinaries for misuse of drugs and alcohol. So for me, that fits because Ron has said that, you know, she was always out and um, she was always at bars and she was always getting drunk and stuff. And that's why he wasn't concerned when she didn't come home. So the hospital fired her because of that. And she turned around and she said, "Um, you're not firing me because of that. You're firing me because you there are people, senior people who have tried to like sexually assault me and who have been very racially abusive towards me. So then she said, I'm bringing it essentially, I'm going to take you to court over this. I'm going to bring a claim against you because of that. So she's insinuating that the reason they have fired her is basically BS. Um, But the criminal charge that she is facing or she was facing was based on the fact that those allegations were false and that there was no evidence and that she has essentially bought them as a retaliation rather than something that's actually happened so I don't know if that kind of supports what you're thinking or negates it no definitely negates it but okay so then you're still left with the fact that it's very interesting that um I don't know she's obviously a very volatile character at this point Mm -hmm. with some drug and alcohol dependency issues so then for me that does get me thinking okay well actually maybe she is someone who's likely to find herself in a slightly more vulnerable situation so my mind's now kind of leading me a little bit towards okay so she goes shopping she's met with someone that I think it's quite fair to assume either a she doesn't know them that well which is why they never came forward because say it was a first date Mm -hmm. um they went out had a nice time um the woman she was with never hears from her again you know you wouldn't think anything much of it particularly as you say the timing all of this happened yeah uh so or b thinking back to the fact that she's 
whether she's dependent or just recreationally using drugs and alcohol, uh, maybe she's out with this person, they go shopping, have a nice time, and end up in some kind of slightly risky situation. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking, okay, so does something happen to her? Um, the person she's with may or may not have been complicit in it, it could have been a complete accident, or it could have been something a bit more sinister and that's why they don't come forward because actually they know something maybe they're covering up so I think in my mind they're sort of the two options if you assume something did happen to her the night of the 10th that's sort of where I would be going but I think in those events you would possibly also think that a private investigator might be able to unearth something I mean if she was having these affairs do we have any idea where she was meeting these people for example Yeah, so she was meeting them in gay bars and things like that. So the private investigator, and I think presumably the police as well, did look into the CCTV footage at the bars that she used to go to. And she wasn't on any of the footage from any of them. And she wasn't on footage from anywhere in New York, like on any passing camera, nothing like that. So to me, that makes me feel like, well, she's gone back to someone's house then. Like she's in someone else's apartment or something like that. And maybe something happened there, like she got, she overdosed or they did something to her or, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not necessarily saying that she was murdered, but I'm saying that this would be kind of like the perfect situation for someone if they were in a scenario where someone died of an accident and they can easily cover it up like this. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I think it does speak to her possibly being in someone's house because actually if she'd been out and about and people had seen her and this might not have got as much press as you think it would because of everything that gone on but if you pair together her brother having some airtime originally saying that she'd been uh, hurt in the world trade center and then follow that up with there must be somewhere that this was publicized as then becoming a standard missing persons case mm-hmm. you would think if loads of people you know had been out and seen her and she was at maybe some quite like exclusive bars and things you would think that somebody might have come forward and said hey I I saw this person so I do think absolutely that leads me to a place where you start to wonder that actually no she's at someone's house and for whatever reason something has happened I guess the only thing I then question about that is whilst had that been the case it would be more straightforward in terms of probably less police attention etc but you would still wonder quite how you'd pull off such a crime yeah um the city would have been incredibly locked down well Mm -hmm. it was for a long time after that it would be very hard at that point i mean and this is real speculation here but to for argument's sake, dispose of any kind of body, yeah, yeah, you'd yeah. think would be incredibly difficult with the city crawling with police and roadblocks, etc. But this is what I mean. This is why this case, like, it just messes with my mind so much because that's completely correct. Like, it would be, yeah, it's one thing like, okay, well, no one's looking into anyone who might have murdered her. or But yeah, what would they do with her body? I don't know. But then for me, that doesn't that doesn't kind of like quash any of my theories around this because I just have no reason to believe and there is no reason why she would have been at the World Trade Center that early in the morning she wasn't working there she wasn't working anywhere near them I mean she wasn't working at all but I mean most of the people who were in the World Trade Center at that time were people who were working and literally just turning up to work or just got into work that kind of thing why would she have been there it's not like she would have gone to the restaurant to check out the venues that early in the morning they probably wouldn't have even been open I wouldn't have thought I mean I didn't look into that but 
I doubt they would have been open that early. And either way, I just think if you've gone out for a night out, you haven't contacted your husband at all, not even like a text when you first wake up to say, like I'm here or a phone call to say like, oh, like I'm fine, I'm going back to the apartment, anything like that. This is what I really can't get over. No, I completely agree. And no one wakes up as well with, we don't know this for sure, but I certainly don't wake up after a night of partying and think, oh, I'm going to go check out some place. Yeah, absolutely. At, at like that early and that's really honestly what I really can't get into my head there was no reason for her to be at the World Trade Center and like the other theory is that she it was her on that apartment footage and that she'd just come back there's always been speculation about what happened to her bag of shopping but to me that really means nothing like if she was out with a friend or staying with a friend she quite easily could have left the shopping there or if she was buying it for someone else or if she was having affairs like buying bed sheets, buying lingerie, buying pantyhose, that kind of thing. These are all kind of like things that I imagine if you were having an affair, you would keep at your other lover's place. Do you know what I mean? To me, it doesn't matter that she didn't have a bag in that apartment um, CCTV footage. But people say that because she came in, she called the lift and then she just walks out. And people say, oh, well, maybe she heard the crashes then, she heard the explosion. And then she was like, she used that opportunity to just leave and get on and like start a new life and although I would freaking love to believe that I just don't think that it's possible to just disappear into thin air without a trace and to not alert anything not to spark anything on your any of your credit cards or your phone or anything do you know what I mean like it's so difficult to disappear into thin air yeah absolutely and I think even if she managed to do it in those early few weeks you know, argument's sake, she's got a thousand dollars sitting under her mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the struggle would be the longevity of staying unseen somewhere for so long. And I also just don't think it would have been possible to get anywhere in those few days. No, and it wouldn't and it wouldn't have been possible to plan it either. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, you never knew no one knew nine eleven was gonna happen. It's not like she could have planned for this. So it would literally have been disappearing into thin air without a trace with zero planning. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that if you wanted to leave and start a new life, for whatever reason, I don't necessarily think that the conditions of 9-11 would make that any easier. If you're motivated mm-hmm. to really leave your entire life behind, yeah, I don't think, as you say, firstly, she didn't know, but also I don't think they would be necessary to have some huge event go on where you could sort of sneak off um because actually she's in a huge city do you know what i mean she's quite easily move around the city relatively unnoticed i don't necessarily think that yeah the 9-11 helps her anymore if anything i can only think that it would probably have hindered her yeah i definitely think it would have hindered her just to do with like you said everything being shut down and there being like every single law enforcement official there ever was out on the streets at that point yeah, absolutely. I think, if anything, the bigger relevance of the timing would have to have been her appearance in court um, and whether that was kind yeah. of a realisation for her, whether that made her think, oh, God, yeah. I need a fresh start. I think that would have to be the key factor more than anything else. But again, if that was true, I don't think you'd have a big stressful event like a court case and then think, but I am just going to go pop, buy some bed sheets and some pantyhose and then I'm going to run off and start my new yeah. life. You know, I just think yeah. this series of events don't particularly stack up. The biggest thing for me is that this didn't happen to anyone else. There were so many people who disappeared or 
um, you know, there's so many unnamed victims still, or people who have been listed as being victims of 9-11, but that have, you know, bodies have never been found and that kind of thing. And there is not one other case where there's been this kind of massive question around what actually happened to that individual. Why do you think that is, though? Because that could surely be as simple as Ron's work in angling it and pushing it media attention. Yeah, and it could be, but then I don't know because this has not painted her in a good light at all. All all this kind of like digging did was just show that she had a completely secret life that her family deny ever happened, but that there are lots of witnesses to the fact that it did happen and that she was leading this double life. And all it's done is kind of probably hurt him even more because he's found out all these secrets about Sneha, but also called her motives and things like that into question. So maybe, yeah, in the, in the first instance, it was because he was pushing it so hard but I mean other families would have been pushing their their stories as well for their loved ones but at no point did anyone say to any of them well she might have just run away and I think that is because of you know the secrets that came out about Sneha there was real possibility that she did just up and leave yeah and I think also you have to assume that the other people who still to this day remain missing as a result of 9-11, you have to assume they probably did see their families the night before. They did have more of a reason to be in the vicinity of the World Trade Mm -hmm. Centre instead of, frankly, an unexplained reason of being there and for all intents of purposes, if you think about it, having been missing for nigh on 24 hours before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, no, I think it definitely warrants the... The attention it's got, um, I can imagine it's very difficult for her family having such a huge unknown. The only thing that I would kind of hope is that had she just decided to leave, it must have crossed her mind that her family might forever wonder if she had fallen victim to the 9-11 attacks or what. And you would, I don't know, you'd hope that if she had, for whatever reason, decided to go, then maybe she'd have found a way to let them know. But hey, maybe that's what that postcard you found was, so. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I think probably, Nad, we could talk about this all day. Um, (laughs) But actually, I've heard enough of your ideas. So uh, what I'm going to suggest is we leave that there for today. Um, I think what we'd both really like is if uh, anyone listening has got any ideas, thought of things that we haven't mentioned or even that we have mentioned, Uh um, we'd absolutely love it if you went over to Instagram, Mm -hmm. infraction.thepod. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, This is an unsolved case still. um, So I think really interesting to hear what everyone else thinks about it. Yeah, absolutely. Next Wednesday, we are going to talk about an absolutely bizarre bank robbery, scavenger hunt, bomb situation. So... (laughs) Oh, what a classic. (laughs) Literally. There's no other way to describe it. And if you come and join us next week, you'll see exactly why. That was the only explanation I have for it. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys. And once again, um, if you do have spare five minutes, we'd be super grateful if you could uh, head over to Apple Podcasts um, and give us a little review, hopefully five stars, but we welcome any feedback too. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.